Welcome back. I'm your host, Christy Slaughter, on Super Talk 92.9 WFHG. We're joined now with Tyler Martin, a certified personal trainer and a former high school wrestling coach and collegiate level athlete. His innovative approach to fitness and behavior change enables him to stay in fantastic shape while managing a demanding life as a full-time marketer, business owner, researcher, writer, and husband. And he lives in Louisville, Kentucky. Good morning, Tyler. Hey, good morning, Christy. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you talking about how we can stay physically fit and really increase our well-being in a holistic approach, especially when there seems to be lots of different areas of resistance and roadblocks that sometimes prevent us from reaching our short-term and long-term goals. You've written the book, The Friction Factor, what is the friction factor and why is it important for us to identify certain things that may be preventing us from taking that step? Yeah, that's a great place to jump in. So friction is a term that, that I've used to refer to the inefficient use of time or energy within a fitness process, so a diet or exercise process. So it's anything that makes the process of exercising, for instance, take longer than it really needs to take for you to get the benefit or require more energy than is really necessary. So think about things like packing up your bag and making the commute to a gym or waiting in line to use a piece of equipment. These are all things that make the process itself take longer, but they don't add any direct value to the outcome that that you're aiming to get. So my whole approach to fitness is really oriented towards people that lead busy lifestyles and they're limited in the amount of time and energy that they have. So if you can find ways to strip the friction out of the processes, what happens is that you make them much more repeatable. And if you can make behavior patterns repeatable, they eventually can turn into habits. And habit formation is really the crucial component to making long-term lifestyle change. If you want to implement an exercise or a diet routine that you're going to be doing not just a couple weeks from now, but a year from now and a decade from now, then habit formation is critical. And that's, that's the aim of my whole approach. Tyler, as we mentioned just a few minutes ago, you have lots of experience as an athlete yourself and being a coach. Was there a certain point in your personal development and in your career where you realized this is an issue that needs to be addressed that can help people really change their lives? Absolutely. So what I learned as a athlete and probably more so as a coach is is the benefit of building habits so you know in in the sport of wrestling which was my sport we spend so much time drilling we drill thousands and thousands and thousands of times and we get things you hear when people talk about sports they talk about muscle memory and it's this idea that when you're in the moment and the pressure's on you don't have to think about what to do you intuitively know the, the procedures and the steps to go through without having to think them through logically and so that's the power of habit And what happened to me personally is I had this point in my life where I finished up with being an athlete and I went out into the work world to be a normal, you know, everyday working person. I was working a full-time job and trying to manage a small business and had a lot going on. And all of a sudden, you know, I realized that, oh, no, I, I thought that I knew everything I needed to know about how to keep myself fit for the rest of my life. And it turns out I was wrong the conventional approach to exercising and dieting that I learned as an athlete and taught to other athletes 
were so incompatible with the way that a normal busy adult lives that they weren't going to be repeatable for me long term. And so that's when I really dug in and started to try and figure out a different approach that could be compatible with a busy person's lifestyle. And so you know, that the, the book is the result of all that work. I think that probably, I don't know the percentage, I'm sure you probably know this well, but I think a lot of us found ourselves during the pandemic switching a lot of different things, whether it was our eating habits, our social habits, how we were exercising or really not exercising much at all. And then we found ourselves at this place and maybe we are not in great shape or where we need to be. Can you give us some advice, some tips if we are finding ourselves in that position and realizing, okay, life is continuing now and I want to be able to take control and develop some better habits. How would we start that process? I think the very first thing that you should do if you're wanting to make a behavior change related to to fitness is first really take the context of your busy life seriously. I think most, most people listening probably have a pretty busy lifestyle, and I think it's important not to drop that out of context because what usually happens is Every January, I've done this myself, millions of people make a New Year's resolution and they sign up for a gym membership and they say, hey, I'm going to drive to the gym every day after work and I'm, I'm going to you know, get on that elliptical machine and ride it for two hours and I'm going to do that forever. And the data shows that 80% of those people stop going to the gym consistently within six weeks and are ready to give up on that commitment that they made. So I think it's much more important to think about what is going to be repeatable for me in the beginning? What do I have the bandwidth for? If the answer to that is just five minutes of, of exercise on a daily basis, that's a, that's a great place to start. You can build a habit around even just a short daily bout of exercise. And over time, as that starts to feel more automatic and it starts to feel easy, like, you know, tying your shoes or brushing your teeth, you're going to be more likely to go back and revisit that commitment and build on it over the course of time once things start to get easier. Tyler, I'm not sure if this is unique to me or if you found this working with your clients and students that you've coached and things like that, but it seems like once I develop that habit, that routine, I'm doing well. But if I skip a day, then a day becomes another day, and then it's really easy to get out of the habit, but it takes a lot for me to get motivated to get back into that habit again. Is that something that's normal for some people? Absolutely. So uh, if you if you really get into the science of how habits work, every habit has a cue. So there's there's some something that triggers the initiation of the habit. And then once the cue has taken place, then you've got a list of steps, a procedure that you go through to execute whatever that happened, whatever that habit happens to be. Right. So when things disrupt that cue, when you no longer have the cue as a routine part of your day or you purposefully miss the cue because you've, you've, you know, you've skipped the day or you've taken some time off, it starts to get more difficult to you know, reinitiate that process because I, I kind of say a habit is like a campfire. It's much easier to you know, let the campfire die down but keep that flame alive even if you've just got sticks and twigs rather than letting it go out and having to start over again from you know, just wood that is not on fire yet. So my my approach is that you know if you're if you're overwhelmed and you're like hey I can't get in my 20 minute workout for instance today do a 2 minute workout do a 5 minute workout 
just the fact of getting in the motion of initiating that behavior, even if you don't have time to do the, you know, complete the process, you're going to be better off in the long run. And we can get into it, but this is why I really recommend for busy people short daily bouts of exercise versus the more traditional approach, which is doing longer workouts three to five times a week. When you don't allow yourself to have these gaps between the behaviors, it's going to be much easier to repeat that and not allow the habit to go cold. Okay, excellent advice, Tyler. I'm just playing through all of the scenarios in my mind and people that I've worked with, things that have come mm-hmm. up, potential roadblocks and things like that. So let's assume that we have not been physically active. We haven't set that habit yet for physical fitness or for the dietary changes that we want to. And in our mind, we tell ourselves, I know that I should get up and walk today because it's a beautiful day. It's going to serve my mental health and my physical and emotional health. But we just don't feel motivated to do that. And yet we kind of beat ourselves up that we're not doing it. How do we get motivated to make those changes? Mm-hmm. That's a, it's a great question. There's a couple there's a couple angles that you can look at this from, but I, I think the first thing I talked about a little bit is it's, it's more about getting in the rhythm of initiating the right types of behavior. So it could be that you've, you've set this commitment for yourself, like, okay, when I do my workout, it's got to be 30 minutes long or it's got to be 45 minutes long, and, and I'm, having my, I'm having trouble getting myself worked up for an exercise session of that magnitude, you know, because that's, that's a big time investment, especially if you're pressed for time. So I think part of it is just revisiting, okay, well, am I made it, am I motivated to do, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes instead of 45? So I think that's the first thing. But the other piece of this more related to motivation is it's good to have broad general goals. Like I want to be fit because I know it's good for my health or I want to be active. But what I really encourage people to do is to get concrete with their goals. What specific values do you want to get out of life that exercise can help deliver for you? And they should be super concrete. So maybe it's I want to have the energy to come home from work every day and be able to play with my kids or I want to stay active so I can have fun with my friends and engage in, you know, our pickleball league or whatever, whatever activity that it is that you want to stay mobile and you know able to do on a routine basis. I think having really concrete visions of what it is specifically that you want in your life that exercise is going to help you achieve um, can, can be really motivated. And the last thing I would say is, Sometimes people have trouble figuring out what that looks like. Like, what, you know, what is this, you know, idealized life that, you know, I could be living if, if I was, you know, in a better place physically. So an exercise that I walk people through in the book is if you're not sure what that vision is for you, you can kind of work back, backwards on this. Look at your life and figure out, okay, well, are there some trouble spots? Are there some pain points that I'm struggling with right now that maybe relate to my fitness, whether it's a, you know, a chronic lifestyle related disease, or maybe you're overweight and you'd like to change that. And then you can kind of think about, well, what barriers would be removed if I could fix this? And I think that's a good way to kind of back into some of these concrete values that can help get us motivated to make the right behaviors. Tyler, we do need to take a quick news break. And when we come back, I would love it if you would discuss some dietary changes possibly that we could make, how the friction factor looks at diet and overall wellness. And then also we have briefly 
Rick and I discussed on the show, body positivity and how our current culture is playing into the way that we view our bodies. Can you stay with us? Absolutely. We'll be back after this quick news break. Over 75% of Americans want to be more physically fit, but only about 3% of them succeed. I'm your host, Christy Slaughter, on Super Talk 92.9 WFHG. If you're just joining the conversation, we're speaking with Tyler Martin with Friction Factor Fitness. For more information on the topics today, you can visit the website at frictionfactorfitness.com. Thanks for staying with us, Tyler. You bet. Before the news break, I posed a couple different questions. One was about diet and how we can choose foods that, as you had mentioned before, help us to have long-term success, form new habits. One of the things I love, I had seen a quote that said, thou shalt not do 10 chin-ups, or thou shalt do 10 chin-ups. And eat keto, but that's not way that the way that friction factor works. You have a different approach. What is your approach to helping us develop some new healthy habits? When it comes to nutrition specifically, I, I really don't recommend a specific style of eating or type of diet. We we hear about all of these different, you know, fads and trends when there's some merit to many of them. I mean, we hear about you mentioned keto and there's the Mediterranean diet and the caveman diet and paleo, and all these things come and go. And what I really recommend for people is, in the long run, the the diet that is best for each individual person is one that helps move them down the track closer to their goal, and it's the, the type of diet that they can stick with over the course of time. And so I'm much more focused on helping people design meal plans on their own and select foods that they're going to be comfortable eating on a routine basis, but that are going to allow them to make progress. And so, you know, my, my purpose is always to help out the busy person who's short on time and energy. And so I think the challenge for most people when it comes to nutrition who live a busy lifestyle is that we constantly find ourselves in these situations where I've got 15 or 20 minutes to get a meal in and move on to the next thing on my to-do list. And what you need to have in these scenarios is you need to have some go-to options. So I, I call these core meals, and I walk you through in the book the steps of actually devising a core meal strategy. But you need to have a set of three to five core meals, maybe a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner, and a few alternatives that you can leverage in these moments where you don't have a lot of time to get a meal together that's going to be healthy. Because the problem is that if you don't have pre-devised meal options where you know, hey, this has got the right amount of calories and protein and fat and carbohydrates, et cetera, it's going to be very difficult to figure that out in the moment. You hear a lot of times people talking about, I'm just going to make healthy choices, but what that boils down to is you're inventing new meal plans in the moment when you've got a limited amount of time and you're just needing to get a meal in. And so it's, it's, that's hard to do. It, it requires figuring out portion sizes and calories, and there's a lot of complexity to that. And to think that you're going to be able to do that on a day-in, day-in, or day-in, day-out basis when you're busy, when you don't have a lot of time, 
it's just not very realistic. And so that's why we tend to end up making the easier choice that's usually the less healthy choice in those moments. So I think it's really having these go-to options that you can leverage when you're busy that is going to help you make good choices in the moment. Tyler, I've shared with our listeners before, I'm gluten-free. I've been gluten-free for about 18 years Mm -hmm. because of medical reasons. And here over the last six weeks, I've made some additional dietary changes to reach some personal goals that I have. And I found a place locally that offers gluten-free fried chicken. Now, I've been thinking about my mom's fried chicken for a couple (laughs) years now. Wanting fried chicken, it comes and then it goes. I've not allowed myself to go down that route, probably honestly because it hasn't been readily available. But now we've got an option. And so I'm thinking about doing a cheat meal and really going and enjoying the experience Are cheat meals important? Is that something that we should put into the equation? For example, there's a holiday or there's a birthday or there's something that's a special event. How strict do we need to be? And can it be beneficial in some ways to have a cheat meal? I think it can be okay. And and so I think it's important to realize for a lot of people, I mean, myself included, food is more than just fuel. I mean, a lot of people like to try new things or you enjoy having a good meal with family and friends or going to a cool restaurant, whatever the case may be, you shouldn't necessarily have to cut that stuff out of your life. But where people tend to get in trouble is that when they do have a cheat meal or they deviate from their nutrition plan, they tend to lose line of sight to what the nutritional impact of of that meal or that deviation is going to be. And generally, if you do this once a week, for instance, it's probably not going to have a very significant impact. So if you know, hey, I see friends and family usually on Friday or Saturday, you can kind of earmark that meal that this is the day that I'm I'm probably going to go off the wagon and have a cheat meal. And you can even plan in advance for when this happens. So, for instance, if I'm going to my niece's birthday party, I'm going to pull out my phone ahead of time and open my nutrition app and look up pizza cake and ice cream and see, okay, that's a thousand calories. And I know, well, you have to eat 3,500 additional calories a week to gain a pound of fat more than your body requires for maintenance. And so, you know, that one cheat meal is not going to have a very significant impact. So maybe have, maybe I'll go ahead and have the meal. But where people get into trouble is that if you're doing these deviations multiple times a week, you know, five, six, seven times, and you're not keeping track of what the impact of those meals are going to be, you in a lot of cases are creating a big headwind for yourself. And if you have a goal like to lose weight or reduce body fat, it's going to be very difficult to make any progress because it's it's not realistic to think that you're going to be able to exercise your way out of the hole that you've dug for yourself. So it's really about how frequently is this happening. Tyler, again, this is just some personal experience and I'm wondering if other people maybe have experienced something like this or you've seen it. Let's say I go ahead, I've done really well, adhered to my program, and then I have that cheat day or that cheat mm-hmm. meal. It seems to be that I find myself craving more of that cheat kind of food. So I have to be really strict and immediately get back on my plan or it becomes a second day or a third day. Is there something physiological, biological that happens or is it psychological when we eat something that normally we wouldn't eat like pizza or ice cream and then our body seems to crave it or they go, let's say, and have popcorn and a soda at the movies and then the next day they're craving that type of food again? That's a good question. So uh, I do know that there is a 
a pretty profound psychological component to this. So we, we talked a little bit earlier in the interview about how or about habits and about cues. And so what's really interesting about habits is that habits never actually go away. They just kind of go dormant if you stop feeding them. So, you know, you see this like for people that are doing alcohol treatment, for instance, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you just stop drinking. But if you ever have another drink again, that is for a lot of people that that is that cue to reinitiate that that behavior pattern. And so if you've built a new healthier behavior pattern for yourself, like eating a nutritious diet plan, and you're sticking to that most of the time, those old bad eating patterns are still there. And so in a sense, when you when you cue those those behavior patterns to turn back on by having that Coke or or going to have that popcorn at the movie, there's a strong chance you're going to re- that's the cue to reactivate that behavior pattern. And there might be a strong psychological impulse to continue to do it. So that that is an area where you have to be careful because habits never actually go away. They just kind of go dormant, if that makes sense. I'm glad that you mentioned that. I do think that becoming conscious of the food that we eat and the choices that we make a couple of weeks ago, it was just an emotional day for me. I was just processing some different things and I was grocery mm-hmm. shopping and I had not had like chips and salsa or anything like that in several weeks. And I walked down an aisle and there's a bag of tortilla chips and I realized that at one point I thought, I just want to take that bag off of the shelf and just eat it. Like in my gro- in the grocery store, bag in the cart. And then I just kind of talked myself through it. I thought this is an emotional day. I'm just processing some things. And it gave me more awareness of how food is connected to our thoughts, to our emotions. And so I just reminded myself, my body doesn't actually need this. This is just a coping mechanism that I've used in the past. And then I just kept walking. And so it gave me a lot more insight to me and why I choose the behaviors that I do. You mind if I build on that really quick? That would be I, great. You, so, you talked about the emotional response, and I think that's actually an important thing to to look at because if you look at where actually do emotions come from, it's usually a habitualized response to some conclusion that we've made in the past. So, at some point in the past, we made a decision whether or not you know it was a fully thought out decision, a lot of times we make, you know, decisions and they kind of become habitual without us really thinking them through. But we, we make a choice to start doing something and we do it repetitively. And before you know it, it's turned into a pattern. It's turned into a habit. And emotions are just a response. You know, it's an automated response to this decision that you've made in the past. And so I think that's what you were kind of describing. Um, hey, it was a coping mechanism that I've used in the past to, to have the chips or whatever the case may be. I think it's also important to recognize that you can develop new emotional responses to, you know, better conclusions, better decisions, but it takes time to do that as well. So if you can stick with the the healthy food choices in this case for long enough, you know, that's a conscious choice that you've made, but eventually your emotions will start to catch up to that thinking. And so you talked about, hey, I had to stop and rationally explain to myself why I should be doing this. But over the course of time, you will also have a strong emotional response that can build up as a part of that thinking because it's become a pattern as well. You're inspiring, Tyler. Thank you. Before I let you go this morning, I could probably keep you on here for hours and pick your brain and learn new ways to be able to 
tampen down some of that resistance and develop some new habits. But let's quickly talk about the current culture that we're living in and the expectations maybe that society or that we even put on ourselves to have this ideal image of what we see. And now information is so readily available online that I think it can cause us maybe to develop some thought patterns that aren't beneficial to us and where we currently are. How important is body positivity? And do you have a couple tips for us this morning, how we can look at wherever we are in a positive way and yet set those short-term and long-term goals? Yeah, absolutely. I know this is a hot topic and in the cultural discussion, I know. And I, I think what's really important to think about when you're on, on the issue of body positivity is, is to say, where is the standard coming from? When I talk about, you know, should I be positive or negative about something? Well, what's the standard by which I'm making this judgment? Is it a culture? Has culture decided this is what I'm supposed to look like? And so I'm judging based off that standard or is the standard whatever I want it to be? And I don't think the answer is yes to either one of those. I, I think that there is a, there is an objective component to this that, hey, if you want to have the basic benefits of health and fitness, there are certain things that you need to do. Your body needs to be within certain parameters to function appropriately and things like that. So there is a baseline objectivity to what people need to be doing to be considered healthy and fit. But beyond that, it's a very individual thing. I think your standard should be the type of life that you're trying to live, and everybody's life is different. We all have different hopes and dreams and plans, and it's important to really get clear with yourself on what level of importance should fitness play in the hierarchy of things I care about based on the type of life I'm trying to live. And once you're really clear on that, I think it's easier to judge. Should I be positive or negative about where I am right now? And the good news is if you're not positive about where you are, you can be positive about your ability to make a change. You can put a plan in place to start making incremental steps towards that vision of here's what fitness should look like for me in my life. And then as you start to make incremental progress, there's where you can be positive. So I think that's a good way to look at it. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Congratulations on the new book, Tyler Martin, The Friction Factor, The Busy Person's Guide to Sustainable Diet and Exercise. If you don't mind, Tyler, give us your website and how people can learn more with this program and what your concept is. Yeah. Anybody interested in my work or the book, you can go to frictionfactorfitness.com and there's multiple ways to buy the book there and you can sign up for my newsletter to find out when we do new content, podcasts, and articles. It's frictionfactorfitness.com. Hope you have a wonderful weekend, Tyler. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back here in just a few minutes. <music> 